What's going on, everyone? And welcome into another edition of Be Shafe Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you on the early morning hours of June 1st, 2022, breaking down a Cardinals winner at Bush Stadium over the San Diego Padres. I hope everybody had a healthy and happy Memorial Day weekend as I was off the grid for a while um, at the family farm. So no B-shaped daily over the last few days, but the Cardinals have been busy. Been busy getting some wins, trying to make some headway in the National League standings. And since Friday, things have been going pretty well. They lost that first game of the series against the Brewers. Couldn't get much done against Eric Lauer. But then were able to go grab two of the final three against Milwaukee. They lose the Miles Michaels start. A very uncharacteristic outing by him in that he gave up a bunch of runs. Threw 115 pitches, went pretty deep into the game out of necessity, really. The Cardinals knew what was coming later in the series with, and even you could talk about Monday, later in the the week or the long weekend with not having the starter innings and needing somewhat of a bullpen day on Monday, which is what ended up happening against the Padres. But the Cardinals took two out of the four against Milwaukee, losing the first one, but took two of of the final three. And then they beat the Padres in game one on Monday with Packy Naughton getting the start, Andre Pallante coming out of the bullpen, doing a great job. Tuesday was going to be a little bit more of a traditional outing for the Cardinals with Adam Wainwright on the mound. Everything was setting up perfectly. Cardinals facing a left-handed pitcher and Blake Snell getting Wainwright on the mound. This was going to be an opportunity for this team to keep a good little stretch of baseball going, and they end up doing that with a 3-2 win. Low scoring, as you might expect, despite the fact that the Cardinals were against a lefty. Blake Snell has a pretty good pedigree, former Cy Young winner, coming back off of an injury, so maybe you figure he might not be 100% yet, but He's starting to come along, and and you thought that, okay, things might be a little tough for the Cardinals tonight, even though historically this this group has been pretty good against left-handed pitching. But you figured Adam Wainwright would be on his A game, right? And boy, was he ever. This was his most dominant start of the season. I don't know that you could say it's his best start because he did have a one-hit over seven innings outing against the Royals earlier in the year but only two strikeouts in that game. Tonight, Wainwright had 10. Adam Wainwright for the 13th time in his career with a double-digit strikeout performance for the Cardinals, tying Steve Carlton for third all-time on the Cardinals franchise list for the most games with double-digit strikeout totals. Of course, Bob Gibson leads that list by a hefty margin, 74 such games in the career of Bob Gibson. I think Chris Carpenter is at 14 and so Wayno's one behind him on the Cardinals franchise record list. But what an outing from Adam Wainwright on Tuesday in one that the Cardinals needed coming off of a day where the bullpen was a little bit taxed, although you think about some of the late-inning relievers that were used on Monday to secure that win, Giovanni Gallegos, Ryan Helsley, both of those guys also saw action on Tuesday as Cardinals manager Ali Marmol went for the kill. He was going for this game. This was one they wanted to get, and they were able to do so. But to do it, they needed Ryan Helsley for the first back-to-back of the season. He has not pitched on back-to-back games up to this point, and tonight was the first time that he did that. 
pitching the ninth inning. Giovanni Gagos through the eighth. Also on a back-to-back situation after pitching on Monday. However, Gallegos, not his sharpest stuff, giving up a home run to Trent Grisham, who has been just absolutely putrid, by the way, this season. I've got him in a couple of fantasy leagues. One's a keeper league where I was so excited to get Trent Grisham for a cheap keeper price. And I, honest to goodness, when he was batting there in the eighth inning against Gallegos, if Gallegos had put that guy away, I probably would have dropped him right then and there. Not that I was rooting for him to go yard the way he did, but I was just thinking, man, this guy's batting like 156 for the season. That's just awful. But he got Gio in that spot to tie the game 2-2, two to two, take a hard-earned and well-deserved win away from Adam Wainwright in the process as well, by the way, because he goes 7, gives up 2 hits, 10 strikeouts, just a tremendous outing by Wainwright, lowered his season ERA from 3.12 to 2.75 over the course of just this one start which is pretty impressive. I mean, he's right there among the best pitchers in the league yet again. And he said tonight was really the first night where he felt like he commanded everything. He's talked several times after his starts this year about not liking where his command was at on certain pitches, not feeling like he had his most crisp stuff on the mound. That was not the case tonight. He felt really good, said he made some major adjustments between outings, of course, wasn't going to share what those were. He's very uh, particular and private about those those sorts of things, understandably so. But he said he felt really good tonight, and then, of course, said, yeah, what took me so long? Always in his self-deprecating fashion. Ali Marmal, however, did not uh, hold back in his praise, said it was a, an absolute tutorial of pitching put on by Adam Wainwright. What he did was unbelievable, and it really was. You just sit back and marvel at what this guy has been able to do over the last really three or so years since 2019, which that year for him was just getting back and throwing a complete season healthy was really the benchmark there because you remember end of 2018, if not for an outing or two in September where he said he started to to find some things and feel good again. That was, I mean, he was for a time that season just throwing up ducks to the plate couldn't throw barely 80 miles per hour for a while, if you recall. Was just trying to get through it. But uh, figured something out, was able to get healthy. Has talked a lot about changes he's made to his regimen, his diet, things like that. 2019, he got through. ERA was over four that year, but he got through. He was healthy. And that was a year when his home numbers were just spectacular. And then in the COVID year, he wasn't phased, led the Cardinals in innings that year was tremendous, was great last year, and is is doing it again this year. I mean, we really should not be surprised at this point, but it's just so amazing to see him time and time again do it. And, and tonight's a great example of why he has not said, yeah, I'm retiring after the season, because he's got no reason to go on record and say that. The way he's pitching, I, again, it's a, a lot of a conversation with his family. You know, there's going to be a big factor in whether or not he plays after 2022, but the way he's pitching, you could, I mean, that would be a sought-after performance. That's a sought-after player on the open market. Cardinals would be foolish ever to let him get to that point again, but there's no reason he, the way he's performing right now, there's no reason he couldn't get even a bigger contract than what the Cardinals have given him over the last couple of years, which to me, last year in particular, the fact that it was pretty much incentive-oriented in 2021, and he still went out and did it, this year he got more guaranteed money, but still the overall 
salary is not that significant. I'm just saying, with what he's doing, there's there's no questioning it anymore. This guy is going to be able to pitch for as long as he wants. And the Cardinals should welcome that with open arms because tonight he was a big reason they won the game. Some other reasons they won the game. Mentioned Albert Pujols. How about this? First walk-off for the Cardinals since 2011. Now, it wasn't a home run and it wasn't even a hit. But a sacrifice fly or line drive, so to speak. Hit it deep enough to left field to score Tommy Edman from third base. How did Tommy get to third base? Well, he stole it because that's what he does. He and Harrison Bader this year. And the Cardinals as a team, really, you've seen Goldschmidt do it. They've they've put runners in motion with, with other guys. Arenado's not a guy who should be stealing bases. They did it with him tonight. He got thrown out at second base. But they're very strategic a lot of times in when they do it. When Arenado got thrown out trying to steal, it was after the Cardinals had already scored two runs in the inning, and he was on first base with two outs. And so you figure that's a chance to try to get into scoring position. And with the emphasis they've put on the run game this year, they like the odds. Ali Marmol said of the Edmund steal in the 10th, we're just playing the percentages there. And we know that Alfaro, their catcher, has a good arm, but we believe Edmund is, is better at what he does and is going to be able to get there. Now, the throw actually, I thought, beat Edmund to third base, but what's interesting is Manny Machado had been ejected for arguing balls and strikes, and so you had a different third baseman over there than Machado, who's right up there with Goldsmith in terms of League leaders and MVP candidates so far this season. Goldsmith, by the way, is out of his mind. Extended the hitting streak to 22 games. Had an RBI double to do that. Reached base via walk two other times. Ends the month of May with an average of more than 400. If he's not the player of the month, I don't I don't know what's wrong with the process there. Mookie Betts did hit more homers than Goldsmith for the month of May, but Goldie got him in RBIs and in every other category. Average, slug, on base. OPS, just a ridiculous month by Paul Goldsmith to basically take him from also ran mediocre territory to he should be the leader in the clubhouse in terms of the MVP rates at this point in the season. Just a remarkable run that he's on. 22-game hit streak. He's said he doesn't care about the streak, doesn't care about the on-base streak, which is even longer than that. I think it's like 36 games maybe. 33, something like that for the on-base streak. He doesn't care. He said he doesn't pay attention to either of them, which uh, turned into a fun little game on Twitter over the weekend when when that video was posted. But I'll tell you what, Goldsmith was a factor in the win. Albert Pujols, obviously a factor. Tommy Edmond, the ability to run in the spot like he did. What was interesting is Goldsmith was on first base at the time. And Edmund goes for third on a first pitch fastball. Albert says he was up there ready to swing, but he saw Edmund get a good jump off a second, so he does not swing. Runners in scoring position. Goldsmith does not steal second in that spot. So first base is still occupied. There's one out in the 10th, and that kind of brings up the question, even after a first pitch strike to Albert, do the Padres want to walk him here to load the bases because the only run that matters is the one that's on third? And it would have been Lars Newtbar up to bat next, left-handed batter. And then Yachty behind him, sure, right-handed batter, but one who is maybe not as proficient of an offensive player as he once was. And you could say, well, neither is Albert. But against lefties, that's not even true. He has an OPS above 1,100 this year against left-handed pitching coming into today. And in that spot, once you get that guy to third base... All he needs to do is put the ball in the air. And a a hitter of his caliber 
best right-handed hitter in baseball history, in my opinion. Probably the best overall hitter. Granted, I've been a little bit close to the to the career of Albert Pujols. I've seen it in person all my life. But there's nobody in that situation that is better suited to put together a piece of situational hitting than Albert Pujols. And I asked Lars Dupart about that, and that's exactly what he said as well. And actually, his answer was so good. I'm, I'm going to have to play it here for you on the podcast. Because he did offer a caveat as to maybe one player who would you'd rather see up in a situation like that right now than Albert Pujols. Here's what Lars Newbar had to say, and then I'll get into how Lars Newbar really created this opportunity for the Cardinals to win this game, not with what he did at the plate, but with what he did in the field. But here is Lars Newbar on. Now, he was the on-deck batter as Albert Pujols won the game for the Cardinals with a fly ball to left. Had a base open. Could they consider walking Pujols to get to Newbar? Newpar, if he was the opposing manager, probably would have done it because here's what he had to say. Once I saw the other pitching to Albert, even when he got 0-2, I was just like, you know, is there really any other guy, maybe as out of Paul Goldschmidt, that you'd want hitting right now, and it's, it's Albert Pujols in Bush Stadium. You know, it's, it's, you know, seemed like a pretty easy answer. How perfect, though, is that response from Newpar? Maybe outside of Paul Goldschmidt because that guy's been pretty ridiculous. Uh, Albert Pujols is the guy you want in that situation, and – I'm telling you, with with a, a situational hitter like him, he knew that all he had to do was knock around into the double play, which was pretty comedic as well because Pujols recognized that he's got maybe a little bit of a pension for doing that over the course of time. He's, of course, the all-time leader in MLB history in grounding into double plays, has done it more than anybody else in the history of the game, which, of course, to be able to have that distinction, you would have had to be up to bat with runners on base a pretty significant amount of times over the course of your career. And the only way you get to be able to do that is by being as good as Albert Pools has been approaching 3000 games played for his career within the next couple of days, he'll hit that mark. And so he's aware of it, but here's what Albert Pools had to say with regard to once Tommy Edmond got the third, what was his mindset at the plate led to a little bit of a humorous exchange there in the Cardinals clubhouse after the win. Did your mindset change once Tommy stole third? Does that, I mean, that changed your, your mindset at the plate? I never, never changed my mind. I, uh-huh. I take my approach out there and trust, really trust my work and, and what I do, what I practice every day, day in and day out. And obviously, having him in third now, you know, I just uh-huh. want to stay from the ground ball double play, which I hold that record. <laughs> you will always hold that. Yeah. Nobody's going to catch you. <laughs> That's what it reminds me. Uh, but I, uh, you know, just got a good pitch to hit and just put it up in the air, you know, and deep enough, you know, for him to score from third base. So that was a good, aggressive base running, you know, first base fastball. And as soon as he took off, I was ready to swing the fastball, but I, I took it, you know, because he got a great jump. So he drops on Kamis Rick Hummel. Uh, thanks for reminding me with regard to the fact that, yeah, nobody's ever going to catch you for that one, Albert. So that was a little bit fun. Albert was in good spirits. Comes up with the big swing for the Cardinals to walk off the Padres on Tuesday night. But it was Lars Newbar that Albert Pujols actually credited with providing the opportunity for that play to take place in the bottom of the 10th. Because in the top of the 10th, You've got the ghost runner to deal with. That is Manfred Ball in full effect here again in 2022. And after Giovanni Gallegos pitched that eighth, it was Ryan Helsley for the ninth. Helsley got the job done. Mentioned again, it's his second, or pardon me, his first back-to-back appearances of the season, pitching on back-to-back days 
Holly Ramal said that part of the consideration there was that they were they've been building up to this anyway, but you had the day game on Monday and then the night game on Tuesday, which allowed for maybe a little bit of extra rest time in between, more hours for Helsley to rest up. And so this was a spot where he came into the the ballpark on Tuesday and said he would be available, said he wanted to pitch, wanted the ball. He got it for the Cardinals, gets the game to extra innings. That's when the Manfred ball begins. And it was Drew Verhagen on the mound for the Cardinals in the top of the 10th. That is a difficult thing to do. You don't inherit that. I mean, you do. You inherit the runner, but you didn't put him there. And so that's a tough thing for a pitcher's mindset. But you've got your defenders ready for anything, ready to make a play happen if necessary. And that's exactly what Lars Newbar was able to do in left field for the Cardinals in the top of that 10th inning. Base hit through the left side of the infield. There was a shift on. And so third baseman Arenado was not in position to be able to make a play on this ball. It was a slow rolling ground ball, which kind of had you concerned from the jump that Newpar just wasn't going to be able to make a play on it with the runner trying to score from second base. But he charged that ball so hard and threw an absolute strike to Yachty at the plate to where it wasn't even really a close play. I mean, he, he got him by plenty, threw it on the fly, no bounce, no nothing. Yachty didn't have to think about a thing other than applying the tag, got the runner pretty easily. 96.5 miles per hour from Newpar out of his hand, just a cannon from left field. And that was the very first thing that Albert Pujols brought up when asked about hitting the walk-off hit. He gestured up to his right toward Lars Newpar's locker, which is two stalls to the right of where Albert's locker is in, in the clubhouse, and said that was the play that, that kind of gave us a boost, gave us the jolt that we needed to be able to to make it happen. We knew that we had the middle of the order coming up at the bottom of the inning, and, and that was going to be it. We felt like we could win the game there, and Albert ends up being the player to do so with the big swing, the first walk-off that he's had as a Cardinal since June 2011. I believe it was June 4th against the Chicago Cubs, had a walk-off home run in the 12th off of Jeff Samarja. Trip down memory lane. All these players who are big leaguers that Albert has played against or along with. We we think about, oh, yeah, he's long gone. He's long gone. Albert's still churning. He's still still going to chasing after records. And more than anything, chasing after a World Series, which he brings up almost every time you talk to him and, and you know, redirecting some of that personal acclaim and those accolades that people want to ask about. Naturally, he always tries to redirect that toward what the goal is is the team. And I think he truly, he's not just lip service, would love nothing more than to, to be able to to hoist that trophy one more time and, and go out a winner and, and to do it in St. Louis. So that's what he's focused on. And another step toward that goal was reached tonight with uh, the Cardinals. Like I said, there were many contributions. Wainwrights should not go overlooked. He was on his best stuff tonight. Cardinals, from a pitching standpoint, really needed that after having to go with a bullpen game effectively on Monday. And Wainwright ends up coming through. Gallegos, you could be a little concerned about about the trend of his season, has has effectively lost the closer role to Ryan Helsley, who's just been really good. But but Gio has not been missing as many bats, has given up some hard contact, and and does that again to a, a guy tonight who's hitting 160 on the year, even after the homer. So not necessarily what you want to see there, but that was really the only downside to the evening. Cardinals offense could have maybe you'd like to see them do a little bit more, but again. Uh, Blake Snell's a good pitcher, good pedigree. Padres have a solid bullpen, and in, at the end of the day, they were able to get enough done to to come away with the win. 
And you feel good about the contributions from the young guys? Again, Newt Bar had a, a big role in this. Goldschmidt, not a young guy, but a guy that you can count on as steady as she comes, has just been fantastic for the Cardinals in the month of May. Calendar now turns to June. We'll see if he's able to keep that going and keep that hitting streak intact as as they get things going on Wednesday. Cardinals will be going for the sweep on Wednesday afternoon, 12-15 start from Bush Stadium. Be curious to see what that lineup looks like, knowing that they've already secured the series. Do they maybe put a, a little bit of a, a, a backup sort of lineup in there? Imagine you might see Dakota Hudson behind the plate, day game after a night game. Or did I say Dakota Hudson? Andrew Kisner behind the plate. I was looking at Dakota Hudson as the probable starter for tomorrow. Hudson will take on you, Darvish. You may have Kisner behind the plate. Sosa got the start at shortstop today, so Edmund probably will be back there. We'll see if they get Gorman back in the lineup. It's been a pretty consistent thing to have Nolan Gorman not play against lefty starters, but tonight, evidently, he was not available due to lower back stiffness, something he dealt with in spring training, evidently not as severe with what he's going through right now, but may or may not see him in the lineup tomorrow. It is against the right-handed pitcher. Given the weekend that Nolan Gorman had, we really didn't talk about that much, um, or I should say at all, but he had two games where he went Perfect. Three for three, one game, and four for four, the other. Seven for his last 10. Hopefully his back ends up not being anything serious because he was just starting to find his groove, and Cardinals would love to get him back into the lineup maybe as early as tomorrow, but I, I kind of doubt it. I don't I don't think they're going to rush him back in there. Hope I'm wrong, though. would like to see what he can do swinging the bat again from the left side tomorrow at Bush Stadium. But that's going to do it for this edition of B-Shape Daily. Appreciate you guys, as always, for listening. Make sure to subscribe to the show. If you don't subscribe already, I don't know what you're waiting for, but would love to have you on board. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. Shoot me a follow on all the social media apps at B-Shafer12. That includes TikTok, folks. I haven't made a TikTok video recently, but I do have it on Twitter as well, at B-Shafer12. Send me a direct message or a tweet. Let me know what you think about the episodes. Let me know what you'd like to hear more of when it comes to B-Shafer Daily as we uh, cover the Cardinals all season long. So stay tuned. More episodes to come this week. Appreciate you guys, as always, and we'll talk to you next time on B-Shape Daily. Peace.